0: Hi, you're listening to Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. My name is Paul Ford. I'm the co host of Track Changes and the co founder of Postlight. I am the host of tra- Track Changes.
1: Paul is my co-host, and I'm the other co-founder of Postlight. I'm the founder of Postlight, and Paul is the
0: other co-founder. That's exactly right. We we really are equal. Oh, wait. No, I'm Rich <laughs> Yeah, That's a good point. That's a great <laughs> point. Um, Rich, we have someone really special on the show today. We're going to talk to him in a Don't, second. But okay, here's before you, you do that- can, Hold on. Can you tell people what we do?
1: In a moment, I will. But <sighs> you need to change up your words, because you've said we've had someone very special on the podcast for-
0: Okay. Well, we have someone very needy
1: on the podcast. Much better. Okay. Okay. We are a digital product studio based in New York City. We build apps, web applications, websites, uh, not your BS website where it's like home, work, about, contact us. We're not the ones for that. We'll
0: we'll refer you over to someone really great. We like when like banks show up, half drunk. Big,
1: sprawling innovative yeah. stuff They're like, high scale
0: we need to recreate finance for dogs on apps
1: that's a thing i'd that's love us. to i'd love to get that email we've got some amazing design talent too all
0: right so wait we should talk about the person who's in the studio with us we instead should. of ourselves for a minute okay rob dubbin hello hello paul rich hi rob it's, it's nice to have you here it's a pleasure to be here rob how are you identifying yourselves these days i make software for television Ooh. whoa That's sweeping. That's tight. That could be anything, really. I know, it's pretty exciting.
2: Let's explore it together.
0: So, (laughs) here on the podcast. Yeah, on the pod. So, um, I should give a little bit of backstory, which is I met you because you put an ad on
2: Reddit. Yes, Banner Advertising. Uh, The Wave of the Future brought us together.
0: On Reddit, and and it was like I had just quit my job at Harper's Magazine. I decided I would take every opportunity the universe sent my way. I would take. I mean got to make a living And Rob put up an ad and was just like, come help the Colbert report do better with its script writing.
2: Yeah, I needed a programmer and a friend of mine had suggested putting a banner out on Reddit and it was how I discovered there uh, I don't know if they'd still do it this way. I've uh, I suppose over time grown maybe uh, like maybe mildly less interested on advertising on Reddit. But, you know, they have this sort of timeshare system where you put in, you know, however much money you give them, Mm. you enter a sort of auction marketplace with the other people who've put money in to advertise uh, through banner ads on their site. And uh, basically, you get a cut of their traffic, or at the time, you got a cut of their traffic that was proportionate to how much money you had paid in relation to how much money everyone else had paid. So if the. Total amount of money that had been put into the pot was a thousand dollars, and you'd put in two hundred dollars. You'd get one fifth of all the page views for whatever subreddit you were advertising on. Okay. And I did it for the programming subreddit. And I said the Colbert Report is looking for programmers, which we were, mm. um, because we I had gotten some buy-in to change the software that we use to write and produce the Colbert Report. It's about f- six years ago now, seven it years. It was ago? just a little yeah. over six or seven years ago, and I, I, I knew who you were. And so I was surprised when you responded to it. I had read about your project at Harper's.
0: It was cool, though. It was cool that you. it was the Colbert Report. The other person who responded was Aaron Swartz. I know. Yeah. So it was. Whoa. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, That's we, heavy. Well, it wasn't at the time. Right. It's <laughs> just know. a dude responding.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the ways that I mark that whole experience of kind of um, putting together that project and starting the thing that became Scripto, which is the company that I run now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had. A couple of conversations. I don't remember if y'all knew each other before we got together. We
0: did. He'd come to visit me at Harper's and talk to me. I I, I knew him a little bit.
2: So, you know, it was really, it wasn't more than a few emails and a really, really nice brunch that I think, you know, in hindsight, I remember sort of differently than I did it, you know, processed it in real time. But again, it was just the serendipity of encountering people like this by just putting an ad up on the internet sort of still it, it was
0: a nice old internet moment it's like you yeah. put some words up and then some interesting people showed up and yeah. we all we all got along so yeah you were trying to you it was crazy what you were trying to do that's what i remember is the cool thing was i got to go to the colbert report mm-hmm. that was cool it's like way over on the on the west side in manhattan and there's like there's some security and and this was the problem that you had this was the product problem that you described to me i Write a script using terrible software. I think it was called ENPS.
2: It, w- it was uh, it, the Associated Press publishes a suite of uh, it's a it's a newsroom product mm-hmm. um, that it is called ENPS. It's the Electronic News Production System. I think is what it's okay. So for.
0: whether it's terrible or not, it was frustrating to to use for what you were trying to do. It and you w- mm-hmm. you'd write a script, and it would be like you'd call for a goat in the script like I need a goat on stage
2: every day that's
0: sort of what the Colbert
2: Report was about right
0: and then what would happen
2: well you would um, writing software writing television sorry for in that context in sort of a studio context Uh, everybody I think is familiar with this format even if they don't understand it's a format somebody is sitting at a desk usually they're um, reading material usually off a teleprompter and performing material off a teleprompter, and stuff is happening around them as they do it. So whether that's graphics popping up, sort of a, in a full frame, or in a over their shoulder, or a, a video clip, or a voiceover, or sound effect, or a cameo, or a wardrobe change.
0: So someone has to write all that down, literally. Like just at some point, that has to all get written down. Like we're going to do this today.
2: Well, to write that show is to write to the the final produced context you're writing the you're not just writing that a graphic should appear you're also writing when it should appear so that the -the over-the-shoulder graphic appears kind of in the right as as sort of contextual information for what you're because usually it's part of a setup Mm -hmm. or in the case of you know it's a maybe it's a graphical mock-up you know where you're foreshadowing the goat who will appear later Mm -hmm. you know in in, in a graphic and so somebody in the graphics department has to know that they need to make that mock-up Often sure. the same day because within a few hours, uh, the host is sitting at the desk and rehearsing the, the script, and you want to have as much of that in place as possible.
0: So you're you're there writing some you're writing stuff to uh,
1: to, to give context. You're a writer,
2: so I start. I was not always a software person, other than right. as a hobby. I wrote for the Colbert Report for. Okay. Um, most of the nine years that it was on the air,
0: and you kind of you went there right after college, right? Like it
2: was. I, I'd i been out for a little bit. I, 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 my job before I wrote on the Colbert Report was that I reviewed digital cameras and home theater equipment for CNET.com.
0: No kidding,
2: no kidding.
0: Honestly, we're just going to spend the rest of the podcast just kind of running that down. That's good stuff. CNET was CNET. good. I
2: loved it. it was well,
1: uh, I don't say was. It's. I hit it once in a while. It's kind of weird you? now. Yeah.
0: When you need what do you need reviewed at this stage? Well, they
1: like review like hand vacuums and stuff. Oh.
0: You don't use the wire cutter for that? The wire cutter.
1: Let's plug the wire cutter. <laughs> well, for I spent eleven thousand hours trying different brooms and dustpans
0: yeah. and here yeah. we go.
2: Listen, for vacuums above a certain size, it's the wire cutter. For hand vacuums, you really want to go to CNET. Fair.
0: Fair mm, good advice. Absolutely good advice. Okay, so CNET to Colbert report, natural career progression. Things are going well. You're a writer.
2: Yeah, and You're I were writing jokes. Yes, and I would uh, to to bring it back to what Paul was asking. You know, we had software that was designed for newsrooms, and the workflow was different. We were, I think, in hindsight, I know, I, I I would I would I would less use the word terrible than I would say that it was just the wrong software for what we were doing. Sure. And so we would encounter that kind of at every level of the process.
0: Right, because this is what they're using for like CBS News, right? Yes. It, it's oh, okay. So. Dan Rather, let's say, doesn't need to tell a joke. It's kind of all leading up to one big broadcast.
2: You know, it's honestly that I think those shows are in some ways less driven by the writing. Okay. Um, Which is not to take anything away from the people who write for those shows. But Newsroom Software is primarily concerned with, um, in its design, helping machines talk to each other in Mm. the newsroom. Which is, uh, they're often on lower budgets. They have fewer people um, operating more machines. And so part of newsroom software is about giving one person the power to automate the workflow of some of the devices that make a newscast possible. Okay. And so the fact that I was in a building of humans who are trying to put together a comedic broadcast that was comprised of words, but also pictures and all these other things, you know, we were often in communication with each other through the script. That was sort of the medium through which we communicated and it wasn't off sometimes it was asynchronous it's not like making a phone call it's like putting a message in a bottle and hoping that someone gets the bottle and can read the message inside and using legacy newsroom software to write a show that way was kind of like there were 10 steps where you would want to just roll the message up and put it in the bottle. Mm -hmm. There was like you had to hit a shortcut key and then mouse over to an input field. And then when you were finished typing, you had to mouse back over to the update button. And then it took two seconds to resolve. And if you noticed a typo, you would have to mouse back to that element that it created in the script. And you'd have to double click it. Is this taking, is this, we're simulating that this took too long.
0: Most writers would just sort of live with it though. And they'd say,
1: this is garbage. I'm creative. Why is this in my way? Like, why did you... You
0: could have spent eight fruitful years complaining about your software. Most people do. And they channel that into better writing.
2: Well, like I said, I was there for nine years. So I spent four fruitful years just taking it on the chin and working that way. And it built up to the point. and And I think the thing that broke me was that I was Etherpad. Do you remember Etherpad?
0: Sure, Etherpad was a open source editing tool that let more than one person write. And I think the people who made it ended up on Google Docs.
2: So it happened in the reverse order that you described. Oh, it okay. was a tech demo that existed that you could go and uh, different you know people could go edit the same document at the same time. Mm-hmm. They were then bought by they were acquired by Google. And they were put on Wave, not Docs. I think they ended up, they maybe ended up backfilling into Docs. But the, the, the crucial thing was that after they were acquired, they open sourced Etherpad. Oh boy!
0: Okay, it's really too bad that Gina Trapani—it's her birthday today. But Gina wrote a book. She's a partner here at Postlight. All right, and she wrote a book about Google Wave, and she was a huge Wave fan. We would have had—we would have just roped her into this podcast at this exact point.
2: Happy birthday, Gina! We Hi. got you an anecdote about Google Wave. There you go,
0: <laughs> little gift, little gift. All right, so you Etherpad—you just brought up.
2: Well, I had identified, I think, that part of the big issue that we had was that because in addition to that whole thing I described about the sort of user experience of adding a very common element to a script. Yeah. Um was so protracted and frictionful. There was also the matter of the way that um ENPS handled files, which was sort of almost more like a like a networked word document. Um, okay. where there was a sort of like lock and key situation where like uh rich if you were editing a file and i wanted to see what you were doing if you hadn't Mm. actually saved your changes to the server right i wouldn't actually see them in the document sinking
0: what i love is this is what's going on behind the scenes at the colbert report like everybody thinks that you're running around with arrows through your head going yaka and instead you're just like you don't understand well but
2: no i mean and and yes and no because we were running around we were on the the demands of the job did not change You know, when our software got better or Mm -hmm. or before it did, we were on, I was, I would, you would be on an hour deadline, an hour and a half deadline. You would really have to turn something around fast, you know, and the reason you had to do it is that after you were done with it, it went down the assembly line Mm -hmm. and the next person had a half hour to do their highly skilled professional job. Yeah. And so this fact that, you know, you not only could I not see your changes if you hadn't saved, but if I noticed a typo or wanted to change it and you were still in the document, i couldn't make those changes without bouncing you from the document right, and you know classic th- problem well, and so there was a lot of phone calls down the hallway. there was a lot of like you know actually yeah. physically going to someone's office and maybe they weren't there and
0: and there was a goat incident which, there was yeah.
2: literally there was literally a goat incident the the genre of problem that would crop up was that something would get cut, something would change um you know in the script. it wouldn't just be the sort of like from the jump or writing the script, it would be like this script had a goat in it and somebody in the building called a, you know, you have to be really careful when you put animals on television. There's a lot of rules about how they have to be supervised. And, Abuse. Well, you know, sure. it's, it's. Um, I think uh, I think TV's been around long enough to have learned from several mistakes. Yeah. And um, so you got to call a person to bring in the goat. Yeah, people don't know
0: there were 36 lassies. there. no i I don't know that at all most people Uh, don't know ultimately it it was it was just a
2: goat in a dog costume Ah, ah, ah. all right so wait so
0: goat tv people there's a lot of rules about animals
2: yeah and you and so you have to call a professional and you have to pay them money and you have to say like hey you know bring the goat and this is the time Mm -hmm. and this is when we need it and do you know
0: where you call i'm just curious
2: there are people generally upstate. It's usually like a rescue context. There are people who like sort of like, you know, tend to, tend to animals.
1: Uh, upstate New York, by the way, for our international listeners. Right.
2: Is, uh, yeah, excuse me. In this one case, you know, they had, they had cut the bit with the goat. And so they did not need the goat. But nobody told the person who was talking to the goat wrangler in time to cancel it before the goat showed up. So, you know, you're on the hook to pay for the goat at that point. And the proverbial goat...
0: There's literally a goat. Like, I mean, a goat shows up, yeah. And a guy's like, "Hey, I got your goat." Yes. And you're like, "Oh, oh, hey."
2: It ends up becoming a nice photo opportunity for everybody in the building. Okay, you know, so it's, it's like, "Hey, it's we cute. can't we can't use the goat, but hey, there's a goat here today. Come check it out." Yeah. And uh, selfies. Ideally, again, you you're getting this message to the goat wrangler yeah. before he gets in the car with you. Sure, the goat. of course. And um, it's a it's a good. Um, it's a microcosm for a type of problem.
0: Right. And a human needs to get these things. It's not like the Goat Wrangler has an API for Goat requests. Like Again, you,
2: not yet, listeners.
0: It's true. There's an opportunity there for anybody who's... Dear uh, postlight. Ex- <laughs> 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 all right. All right. So the goat's showing up, the system's tough, and you're, you're wrestling with... You have a moment.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I see Etherpad, and I'm like, this is the way people should communicate in a context like this, mm-hmm. where... A five-second delay at the wrong time of day can snowball into a 30-minute aggregate delay. On a TV show, you know, uh, the adage time is money is very literal. Mm -hmm. And if you are scheduled to start taping at 7 p.m. and you don't start taping until 7.30 p.m., there are all kinds of uh, externalities that crop up as a result of that. And so if you can find a way to defrictionalize the process that gets the host behind the desk, you are adding you know, tangible value to the, the, the process that creates the show every day.
0: How and many people are working on this show?
2: Well, at the Colbert Report, was about 75.
0: Okay, so you can literally s- sort of stop 75 people in their tracks with a big mistake
2: like that. Yeah. I don't know about
0: all of them, but a lot. I mean, they, they're, they're filming the show. Right, but there's somebody who just handles catering.
2: Well, you, it's, it's subtle, and, it, and, it, and it's, there are points in the day when things bottleneck. And so if, if the delay affects the bottleneck, it can leave people standing around for two minutes. And sometimes there's a cascade effect where those people standing around for two minutes causes someone else to miss a deadline, and then that missed deadline causes a three-minute delay somewhere else. It's, some of this I only learned when I had that buy-in from the show to pursue this project. Um, you know, like there was some of it where it was, a, it was a good idea in theory that ran up against a lot of challenges to actually learn about some of these things that were happening in the building that I was not. What was not your job? You're a writer. Well, and my job was literally to roll the words down the hill and let other people take care of sure. it. And then when I decided I wanted to try to help that process along, I had to actually learn <laughs> a thing or two Did about Did you how quit writing to do this? No, not at first. Um, that so was That was recently. Double I mean, duty. You know, I I would manage a team of programmers essentially separately from my duties as a writer, which is what I was there to do.
1: So they funded a software project,
2: not the show. I, I I uh Stephen Colbert and I have been partners on this sort of from the beginning, and it was something that he really had to buy into himself because it was this this was his show, you know, and and
0: this is a lot of risk to introduce. It right? was, yeah. and 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 Stephen especially Colbert's got
1: plenty of money. This is.
0: Well, let's not talk about that. But let's—I mean—so there's a lot of risk. Here. So let's wait, uh, to Stephen to clarify, Colbert's got plenty of vision, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> vision
1: equals money. Uh. So wait, so Stephen Colbert—when you say Stephen Colbert, you mean personally he decided to invest in this? But both of us did, and, and, you and both invested personally in this
2: software venture. Yes, and and the name? Scripto. Scripto. Yes, okay. dumb name that stuck.
0: What does Scripto do?
2: Scripto provides a, uh, a way of writing television where you know that once you've shared it, everyone is going to see it. And then the changes are going to be sort of pushed in real time to everybody else. And that includes changes to sort of those elements, graphics and props and stuff like that. It just basically gives you a real time interface to the information that is constantly transacting in a television environment. And that has proven to be useful to people um, Mm -hmm. who work in this context.
0: And useful, if you quantify it, means they can get more done or spend less money or... Be more coordinated.
2: I think all of those things are results, but I think the way that it feels is that a lot of the um, person-to-person communication that provides the scaffolding of the process that makes a show like that happen every day is handled by just making things transparent versus being something that people have to kind of remember... Um, the way that kind of Slack makes everyone better at email Mm -hmm. by creating fewer needs to send emails, um, the, I think scripto helps people make television by giving them fewer kind of, um, ancillary communicative tasks with their colleagues. And so, uh, it ran the Colbert report for essentially the last two years every day. And when you talk about Steven taking on risk, you know, it wasn't. Stable for the first you know year that we were developing it
1: by stable, you mean the software wasn't ready
2: it w- well, it would crash, it would disconnect people would the 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 most intense time of day is the rewrite that happens between the rehearsal and the taping it would blow up yeah- discon- you know and uh someone will lose their connection we okay so the Colbert
0: why. reports using it, yeah, so I've checked in on Rob like maybe I probably see you like once every eight months or every year or so I would say. Right, yeah. and And so, like, the first two years, you're like, boy, this is really hard to get done. And then you're like, oh, yeah, we're switching it over. It's real now. And then it was immediately like, oh, God, what have I done? (laughs) Because then you had a company with software that could fail. And when it failed, it was really bad.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. That's life. That's life.
2: You know, when y'all talk about – I've heard y'all talk about legacy software, and it really resonated with me because I think in a lot of cases, you're talking about people who have something that works, and so they keep doing it. Because the cost of it not working is so high that it, it creates a sort of significant amount of risk aversion in the culture.
0: Well, right. And it's meta broken, right? Like it's like, well, we're still getting our job done. Yeah. And basic, the software is working. So something's broken. But, you know, if we go down that path, who knows where it's going to end up. And then you went down that path.
2: Yeah. And mm, I also think there's a difference between something that is broken in known ways and something that's broken in unknown ways. Right. Like, uh, you can use the old thing that crashes if you hit the words, you know, the letters J and K in succession and then hit enter. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know that happens, so you just don't do it. And you kind of know the tripwires to avoid because you've worked with this thing for 17 years or right. whatever. You just get comfortable with it. Yeah. But then
0: you show up with a new product based on the web and yeah. userpad yep. and it does the thing that every new product does, which is break. Yeah. So how did you deal with that?
2: I learned to look people in the eye and take responsibility for things messing up. Sounds like it
1: took you a bit to do that
2: I well uh, let's talk
1: about when you used to avoid people and not take responsibility
2: (laughs) I mean I I was I'm I'm that's a
1: joke you don't have to answer that question let's focus on the positive here Rob
2: I would it's it's debugging is hard right and like reproducing errors is hard and oh, yeah. and when like, you're in you a, mean
0: across a network of tv professionals it's hard to debug. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to debug really software easygoing tv professionals
2: that that's what i got good at that's what i okay. did, that that's what it meant to actually take responsibility for something messing up was to be like okay what did you see what happened what you know what do you remember did it did it look green or did it look blue Basically, there was a pretty high degree of tolerance for something going wrong once. Mm-hmm. Uh, if As long as I could sort of establish that it wasn't going to go wrong the same way again, that was kind of our engine of progress.
0: What did they make of you, the writer who suddenly is running around the entire organization telling everyone like how this is going to go and what's going to break? And
2: I think it followed a sort of time-honored progression from sort of like suspicion at first to sort of like... Uh, enough of a glimpse of how it could be better that people really sort of started to support it you know pretty quickly so
0: they saw the pain going away even if they hadn't been aware of the pain they were like oh my my shoulder doesn't hurt as much anymore that's interesting and then they they break an arm
1: (laughs) well it's also not individual user software like if the team around you is using the thing, you don't really have a lot of choice. That's the collaborative tool. What are you going to do?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm teasing you a little bit, but the reality is the thing that you did, which is launch a new piece of enterprise software into the enterprise for users who are now technical or who are technical in a very different way than yeah, as software that's how users, I would describe it. is the actual hardest thing. Like I don't know of a harder challenge in product yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of stuff die on the vine. I think some just mass consumer launches where you just have millions and millions of users yeah, on different platforms. Yeah, that's hard but, too. But there's a pretty small range of things that I would call, like, the hardest thing. And that's one of the hardest things.
2: Well, and it, we, we were fortunate that we had, I think, we were not in the position of serving everybody at first. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, the, we had the Colbert Report, and we were going to get that right. And um, one of our producers um, left the Colbert Report to go start working on a new show that was going to be called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. And they were looking for what software they would use. And he was like, well, you know, over at the Colbert Report, they have this thing that they're working on. It's pretty good. And it was actually at that point, fortunately, good enough for us to be like, yeah, we can, we can do this, you know.
0: And you would built a team at this point, right?
2: Yeah, it was, a, it was a, you know, there was a team of developers that I was managing. And a woman named Sasha Stewart was doing a lot of the QA for us okay. internally and um, receiving a lot of those sort of like, you know, bug reports and stuff like that and um, she's, a, she's a comedy writer now and um, when other shows started to get interested is when I knew that we needed to make it a company with you know more of a formal infrastructure because you know as, as, as challenging as it was sometimes to be a writer for the show which is very demanding in its own right and also be responsible for the software it was at least the place that I was and mm-hmm. so I was able to sort of see things happening myself with my own eyes. And, mm. and I knew that was going to go away as soon as somebody else started using it. So um, that was when I hired uh, Rusty Foster, who some of you listening to this may know from Today and Tabs, um, but his, uh, his day job is that he works for Scripto. He became sort of the eyes and ears person for all the other shows that were going to start to use it, which was Last Week Tonight and The Daily Show were the first two shows that started using it outside of the Colbert Report.
0: And he's in Maine, he so is. so he's setting up TV shows for Maine.
2: Yep, and um, you know.
0: It's decentralized software, it should work.
2: Well, it's, 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 it w- it was, it's always, remote work has always been kind of uh, in the DNA of the company, it was how we built it in the first place, and it's been how we supported it since, and you know, there's stuff that's really, that is better done in person, but there's also stuff that you can do remotely and 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 it it works for people so we're 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 always kind of finding that line and and working within it but really people just need you to be there for them virtually or otherwise when they have a problem gotcha and uh now there's uh, between active shows pilots shows that are waiting to hear if they're coming back, et cetera. There's about a dozen shows that use crypto every day.
0: All right. So you're, you're a significant part of today's televised entertainment industry.
2: Yeah. I want to give a, a quick congratulations to the crew at Last Week Tonight who just took home. Uh, I just came from Los Angeles where I watched them win a bunch of Emmys. Uh, hey, I, do.
0: pretty much all of them listen to this podcast. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's great. Good
2: shout out. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're full time now? Yep. I moved from the Colbert Report to The Late Show with mm-hmm. all of my um, now former colleagues. And I worked there for um, through pre-production in the first about year and a half of episodes. Oh, when he took over for David Letterman. Yes, okay. and so The Late Show is also using Scripto, and mm-hmm. um, but I left at the end of last year, so basically a couple weeks after the election. So you're
1: not writing. You're not a writer.
2: No, I'm a i am um, I am a tech
1: CEO. Are you happier? Yes. This is this was an aspiration. It wasn't just oh, there's a pain point. Let me fix it.
2: Well, it was a. Uh it was a lot of things i mean I, I enjoyed a long career working with steven as a writer and and at the late show as a producer as well and uh, you know i think kind of realized I'd, I'd done it for over a decade and was ready for a change i didn't actually leave the show to start running the software company it, it was sort of it existed on the side and i think it as i think it might for a lot of people who leave a job after a long time it took me a while to sort of get my head above water and mm. figure out what i wanted to do but technology has always been a Passion of mine in, in a in a hobby I I make video games I I make you Twitter. make video games yeah Twitter bots I'm a I've been a programmer for a while okay
1: so it's sort of your secret passion
2: well and I think it's been really nice this year to learn um, in my capacity at the front of this company to start to see it and appreciate it and really experience it as a union of those two things because my experience as a writer and producer of tv is very much not irrelevant to my job now it's very relevant to Mm -hmm. my job now like i remember the i remember the email paul sent me about uh off the reddit ad that was like about the stuff he'd done and uh actually i looked it up before i came in here because i I was going to talk to you guys and the way he described the stuff that he had done was very very similar to the way i hear him describing what y'all do now Mm -hmm. you know the we make web apps we make your information transparent to people we make the thing that puts the stuff in the place where people can see it you know it was really how he described the stuff he'd done with harper's it was how you describe your other work and i feel that way when i get in the room with a showrunner of a tv show who's like well should we use crypto or not Mm -hmm. or should we go with newsroom software or should we try to use google docs I'm experienced enough in television that I can have a conversation with someone and pretty quickly suss out what their actual needs are.
1: Sure, you can talk their language. Yeah, you don't have a sales team. I am the sales team. You are the sales team. Yeah,
0: and we're in a similar. But I mean, we we refer to it as a highly consultative sell, right? Like you just you go in and you listen. And I I would say a, a surprising amount of the time, we go, "Well, you probably want this instead." But then when they want what we have, it's sort of like, "All right, well, here." Let's, let's figure can help you. Let's figure it out, and it's always going to take longer and be a little more expensive than you want it. But you know what? It doesn't have to be. We can talk about all the parameters. and it's a, good, it's a good approach, and I think people just learn to trust you over time. It takes a lot of calls.
2: And, you know, I mean, it, I, I think it was, a, it was a skill I had to learn to be confident in myself as a television professional while outside of the television profession strictly speaking
0: so now the goal is to grow this thing get more tv programs using it
2: yeah always i mean and, and there are you know there there are people who can use it for you know outside of the realm of late night we actually just started working with um, buzzfeed on their um new morning show for twitter that they're making am to dm
0: and is it kind of like an enterprise license or how does it work
2: yeah it's an enterprise license we license the software to people is um, there for, on a, a yearly basis per, per- seat no just, just per per show. You get the show. Is there a you standard rate or do you negotiate with each one? Mm, there is a standard rate. There are cases a lot of times, you know, you are working with a pilot order or you're working with a sort of limited order, someone is sort of giving you a a little bit of running room to make some of the show that you would ideally make over mm-hmm. the course of a full season or whatever. And um, you know, obviously in those cases we work with people within their means and stuff like that because it I think it, it benefits everybody if we're we're trying to help people get their things off the ground. They'll become
0: scripto users down the road. Uh, yeah. Uh, so,
2: is it scripto dot com? Um so scripto.computer is our new website. Oh that that Whoa. wow. Yeah.
0: So you're you're also head of marketing, Winning. huh? Yeah. <laughs> well listen,
2: it's always what dot com was short for. We all knew it. Finally I the, thought it was communications. No, it's commercial. I, Let's time we the, the the Council of Global Domain Names. Uh, whose abbreviation is not that? No, it's like I and then four E's, or is it someone else? Is that someone uh, else? No,
0: that's the I. You're thinking of the I triple E. Oops. No, you're thinking of IANA. I think.
2: Okay. Well, Which they finally it? saw fit to resolve the ambiguity once and for all, and let us all know that the whole time it really was that computer. So we jumped on it. This <sighs> not. I
0: like it. Let's wind all that back. Um, yeah. So look. That's scripto.computer is the URL, but yes. before you came in here, you said you were willing to
2: answer some reader or some listener email. 6,000%. Okay. I well, made the request unprompted. All right. I'm let's ready to do
1: it. So we've got, we've got questions.
0: All right. So let's change the, change the pace and change the, well, good luck and congratulations. Oh, thank Scripto. you. It's, That's um, awesome.
2: come find us if you're, if you if you're making television, making S-
0: video Computer. That's it. That's us. <laughs> Keep saying it, Paul um well i, Websites I don't think, are fun to say again i don't think people know that they can put dot computer like that that's yeah. real so you actually literally type the word scripto and then a dot and then the word computer and
2: hit return it's like the web is fresh again yeah
0: that's great it's it's exciting is it um all right so let's let's see we got an email here from uh, a man named randy dear rich and paul and
2: rob how'd you know randy that's amazing it's it's
0: crazy isn't it yeah um i have some questions related to bluetooth
2: hard stop wow any any thoughts so far connecting to this question (laughs) it'll take a while Mm
0: -hmm. um you actually just connected to another question oh shoot all right (laughs) right. do you
2: enter a code you, guys, you do. You guys have disparaged Bluetooth on occasion. Wow. Demand satisfaction on behalf of Bluetooth. Is this guy at Bluetooth.computer? He is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Bluetooth.guru.computer. Dot dot
0: uh-huh. Why? I have become inordinately fond of Bluetooth headphones. That's how I listen to your podcast while I walk the dogs and do yard work. For headphones, especially for talk instead of high quality music, Bluetooth seems to work perfectly. Why don't you guys like it? Also, should I be concerned about having a Bluetooth wireless device embedded in my head close to my brain for long periods of time? It sounds Rob, like a two-part question.
2: I was well, going to say, yeah. Let's go
0: straight to Rob. Rob, what do you think?
2: Well, my here's my hot take, is that uh, I have come around on Bluetooth because um, I know everyone's out there with various iPhones. We're all wondering whether some people we'll, have android some people have some people wow it's true yeah an increasing number of people just
0: actually the majority of humanity but but many of us have iphones
2: i have an iphone 6 mm-hmm. still uh, me too uh, it's going wow on, we are really yeah, I mean, it's really old school going right? on Ruff, three years old the, the, the battery no longer functions hmm. uh, like a functioning battery should and so my entire phone is um embedded in a large clamshell like like not clamshell but like a like a big bulky battery case that makes it look more like a sort of large iphone 4 e or s or whatever and as a result i cannot access the headphone jack on my phone anymore it's like i uh i have an older iphone than when apple made this decision deliberate but i cannot use standard headphones with my phone so bluetooth headphones became the way that i was still able to listen to music and or conduct headset calls on my phone That being said, the headset also will frequently connect to my computer without me telling it to. Mm -hmm. Um, The need to constantly charge these headphones is kind of a bummer. But I was listening to uh, enjoying some music on Bluetooth uh, on my way over here. Mm -hmm. I'll probably continue to do that.
1: I mean, so thumbs up or thumbs down on Bluetooth?
2: Thumbs, it's what we have thumbs thumbs there's no you know like i think that if um like you know if like apple had skipped straight to the airpods instead of introducing that dongle yeah if they had been like listen there's no port yeah forget forget a bad port that no one likes we're not yeah and yeah we're gonna make you buy new headphones but there there's not this sort of awkward kind of like you know three inches of cable which has weirdly become like the dominant aesthetic of like early 2010s or like mid 2010s peripherals (laughs) i don't know how we got there but that's where we are You know if you just sort of skip the wires in general i think i think it would be okay i almost feel like bluetooth is it's kind of man it it wanted to be a replacement for wires and it's become kind of like functionally equivalent to wires
0: it's very it feels weird because everything no nothing stretches very far right so it's sort of like i go to a bunch of i've been to a bunch of conferences for for whatever reason um bluetooth speakers are now the like default gift yeah okay if you go anywhere or do anything yeah. like eleven dollars and this i just point. i have so many now and they all sound kind of bad and yeah. if you move them more than six feet away from the computer they, yeah. they stop working that's true can i plug something go you're gonna use that word and then talk about bluetooth is that what wow. that yeah happen?
1: they're called um, can i unplug
0: something wonder boom can i unplug something mm-hmm. speakers wonder boom that a brand did you make dream that in your bathtub what no, happened they're
1: very good they make a hundred dollar egg shaped one and they make like a three hundred dollar really big one yeah and uh they're excellent
0: i the like sound is excellent i like skizzle bop uh bluetooth all right <laughs> paul
1: just let me plug this is a company that's trying to Fun. get
0: on its feet Wonderboom. boom you hit that up on wish.com where'd that come from
1: uh, no actually i if i'm not mistaken wire cutter said this is it
0: so tired of the wire cutter kind of running my
1: life. I know it totally runs it's my life. It's killing me. <laughs> I think we really answered that question beautifully. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> that was a train, wreck. Randy.
2: If your headphones didn't die while you were listening to that answer, I hope it exactly. satisfied you. Oh,
0: just so we all know, Randy is a stormwater regulatory specialist. <sighs> it's okay, so good. Randy has one more question for us. I'm actually, we, I want to have Randy on the show. What is going on with modern news websites? Every mm. time I open up the New York Times or the Guardian websites. My browser chugs for quite a while. The scripts seem almost endless. Are they causing problems to a significant number of people's browser? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? We had some great stats because we had built a uh, a, a plugin
1: that uh, turned any web page into Google AMP. Uh, an amp view, which is a very streamlined view. There, are you top. talking about
2: Postlight's Mercury plugin? Postlight's
0: oh. Mercury plugin. No kidding! Wow, dude, these wow. in. No, I know these co-hosts in. Man, the co host audition are very well. Why did I open well.
1: my, I my mouth? Yeah, it's good. So, um, Postlight, I'm going to throw out two, two stats, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Oh, that's fascinating, uh, Nearly 70 percent of the payload that comes in on a news article is not the news article. Yeah, I, I forgot which ones we had hit. A top 10 news site was hitting 28 different domains. Sure. That's not unusual, actually. And uh, to just litter the the code with all kinds of calls to add tech and metrics and all this nonsense.
0: It's kind of incredible. Rob, Rob, your thoughts? Your thoughts on page load time.
2: Don't you feel like it's something where, like, you know, we feel like it's, like, sort of an age of abundance from the standpoint of, like, bandwidth and stuff like that and kind of, like, video. Like, you expect everything to have video on it. You expect, like, you know, like, kind of... We're like past the point where people are like optimizing the graphics on their website oh, for yeah. like modem connections. Nobody's like I f- bringing. I, f- up. I feel like a lot of the constraints True. have sort of evaporated. Okay, yeah. and so, so you're an apologist. Not an apologist. I think that it's like one of those things where it's like uh, load time by a thousand cuts. Like where yeah. it's like you know I don't think they add, I don't think those twenty eight domains all got added at once. Yeah. You yeah. Know?
0: Nobody sat down and were like let's slow this website down. No, of course but not. But in, in answer to Randy's question, what you're seeing is just the the site is hitting all the different ad networks and they are all they're not optimized for the fastest delivery or there's a whole lot of logic being executed along the way that's slowing down the load time and the big deal here is that things are waiting for other things to load yeah. you can program in such a way that things aren't waiting for other things to load and you're putting as much onto the screen as as possible but uh, what often happens is that's really hard and expensive to get right. And so you're you're just literally sitting there waiting for ad networks to say, I got your ad, Mr. Homepage of the Something Something Times, um, prob- mean, probably New York Times. I mean, Randy, to, to, to hone in, to home in. I hone, hone in. Hone? Hone in. I, I okay. messed this up. Do you know, Rob?
2: We got you're a idea. writer. I think it's hobe. H O B. Okay, so That's no, ho- me.
0: no, no, it's good. Hobin to Hobin uh, on the
1: poor guy's question, which is, is it me? And the answer is
2: no. 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 It's no. not you. No, Randy,
0: um, you're doing everything right. Yeah, you're doing. Unless everything
2: right. you're not using mercury. <laughs> You know. <laughs> that is
1: true randy That's if you mercury.postlight.com actually
2: you know what this is going to be this will be my um this will be my after the credits you know plug teaser thing because we're actually we're working on a second product at scripto we're and there's, i bet I, i'm 100 percent sure there are people listening to this right now thinking like okay well you're doing this for like uh sort of studio based you know television shows or whatever but like what about the people who are using final draft
0: a terrible piece of script writing software
2: Uh, you know it's sort of like uh at the point where it's like famously easy to hate on it yeah because it's the kind of like de facto standard or whatever and we are we're working on that and um you know part of what we've done you know kind of internalizing the lessons of supporting scripto in the wild for five years and stuff like that is like from the jump we've been trying to work to minimize the size of the packages that we're putting into the browser. That, like, when you are making enterprise software, you kind of have a lot less room to kind of have these issues where, like, it's going to take an extra 20 seconds to load or whatever. Sure. That counts as friction.
0: Yeah. That initial page load time or that just that initial app load time is is
2: huge. Especially if, you know, I think people are really leaning on the fact that, like, mobile infrastructure has gotten beefier Mm -hmm. to try to, like, send, you know, three, five megabyte packages down, you know, as, like, a sort of, like, prerequisite to seeing a thing. Right which gosh i mean you probably can get away with in 90% of cases but people don't seem to realize that if it's small all that beefy bandwidth is going to make it load really fast and right. that's really great you really notice you know mm-hmm. when you're using um, something that has optimized what your content and taken away those 27 layers like i don't know like you know like post lights mercury or something like that thanks but
0: but you does your new product have a code name
2: um, it's called showrunner
0: showrunner is a script writing tool yes. for Film, TV?
2: For a scripted narrative. Um, and, you know, we have a prototype. We've been showing it to people. Some people are using it.
0: How is it different from uh, scripto? Well, it's format.
2: It's okay. the, the, There's so many different types of kind of like internal TV-specific communication. And Mm -hmm. they change dramatically when you move between genres of television. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that software that works well and continues to work well for news, because, you know, there are probably people listening to this that depend on ENPS every day. And they're like, well, I don't know, it works fine for me. And they probably are right. Mm -hmm. Different types of TV demand different types of software. And, you know, the format for scripted television movies, et cetera, is just different. You know that that sort of like classic screenplay format which actually final draft was responsible for ushering in to standard use mm-hmm. uh, it was word temp it was you know it wasn't even word it was before word it was like a plug-in for a word processor that predated word mm-hmm. was how people made screenplays before final draft came along and you know needs change things change people work in more collaborative teams they work across the country from each other. There are more people working remotely, and that's true of creative projects in addition to technological ones. And We want to make a product for those people, so we're working on it.
1: It's so showrunner.desktopcomputer <laughs> if you want to visit you <laughs> the know, website.
2: Uh, come to... There's no... Uh, it's, there's uh, no, URL there's no URL yet. There's no URL yet. Stay you, tuned. If you're thirsty enough for this, come find us. Yeah. We'll talk any, about
0: it. Any release date planned? Mm, no. Nah. Okay. We're going va-
2: to be vaporware for a second.
0: All right, so ceo of scripto that's me rob Dobbin, bluetooth expert bluetooth (laughs) thank you for coming on to track
2: it's a it's a a pleasure yeah it's been great
0: thank you this was good uh and congratulations
1: i mean out of the ashes
2: yeah a little bit very cool thank you
0: well you've been listening to track changes the podcast of postlight digital product studio
2: you know, one more thing you might not know listening to this at home is that uh, you it's know, awesome they that start with the in. they start with the music. It's really inspiring. It gets, really gets you in the mood for the post-life podcast. They're one of the few podcasts that just like leads with the theme song, which is always great. You always want to hear that, you know, instead of like an ad or something like that. I know there are business realities for the podcasting world. I get it, but I love that it starts with a the theme song. When you're recording it in person, they don't play the theme song. I didn't hear it. Well that was here. Yeah, you don't it's hear it. It's gonna get it. laid in later, but I gotta say
0: <sighs> You would have been a little more
2: pumped. The in studio experience could yeah. use a little bit of like stadium noise, you know, get you in the mood. And just but, like yeah. anything
0: that's just great feedback, we're gonna take that under advisement. Alright. And uh, we're glad to hear it. Glad right. to get any interesting any feedback. And if you have feedback for us, you can send an email to hello at postlight.com. Or rob at scripto.computer. That's another <laughs> great email address if you have any problems at rob, all. Rob, just, just forward them over to us.
2: Anything to do with your headphones, <laughs> <laughs> website load times. Any hardware issues. Hit me
1: up. Uh, Rich, we got anything else? I think that's it. Thanks again, Rob.
2: I'll, I'll be here next week.
0: Thanks. <laughs> But we're going to go. That's enough. Goodbye. We're going to go back to work. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.